Today on Let Me Be Frank, it's the Feast of St. John Chrysostom. And yesterday was the Feast of the Most Holy Name of Mary. Bishop Caggiano starts out today by giving some reflections and some thoughts on Our Lady. And then in the second segment, it's a whole mailbag full of questions from you, our listeners. It's going to be a good one. So stay tuned and keep your radio right here on 1350 AM and 103.9 FM. Keep us on your phone with the Veritas mobile app. The app is on your phone's app store or on veritascatholic.com. And if you're listening to Let Me Be Frank on podcast, be sure to rate us, review us, give us five stars, and help us to reach more souls. By the way, in two weeks is the Bishop's Annual Mass for Young Adults. Uh, I'm too old for it, but if you're a young adult, come out to St. Matthew's Parish in Norwalk on Saturday, September 30th. It's 5.30 Adoration, 6 o'clock Mass with Bishop Frank, and then a social afterward. Check out catholic203.com for all the details. Foundations in Faith is our sponsor. Foundations in Faith supports groups and events like the Young Adult Mass, and their sponsorship helps bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith focuses on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad and the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Okay, here we go. This is Let Me Be Frank on a rainy Wednesday on the Veritas Catholic Network. I'm Steve Lee, and it is my pleasure as always to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, good morning, my friend. Hi, Excellency. This weather, I love this weather. You do? Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really coming down outside. Oh, but I love it. I'm, I'm, I don't okay. necessarily love the inconvenience, but the fact that it is cooled off mm-hmm. and that it's overcast, the, the rain won't last much longer, is, it, first of all, you don't feel bad not being out, number one. Number two, right. it's the very first hints of fall, and as I've said many times, it is my favorite time of the year. So yes. I'm excited. I must be the only one, but I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's... Uh, you're right. There is a refreshing. There's a. It's like almost like a cleansing when yeah, oh the rain yeah. comes down this hard. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, I was watching the news this morning. This is the, these uh, see, this is the rare times that we record and it will be broadcast on the same day. So we're in yes. real time, kind of. Yes. So I was watching CBS this morning when I got up. It was very early, and the weatherman said that there are portions of Westchester who have received seven inches of rain in the last seven days. Wow. So, I mean, we have really gotten a lot of rain, and unfortunately, other parts of the country have not. They're really looking for rain. So it's, it's just the unfortunate situation that we're going through with, the, with weather just adjusting the way it is. But anyway. Yeah. So people, I'm sure people are enthralled by our weather conversation. Yes, but today is the Feast of St. John Chrysostom. Stop talking about the weather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a feast of a great man, one of my heroes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And it's it's worth just giving some context. I'm going to the as soon as we're done, I am going to the Blue Army Shrine in New Jersey. Every year I go, and today's the 13th of September, so they have mass. And they invite different bishops every year. I've gone, so today I'm going to celebrate mass, and I'm going to celebrate mass 
on the feast of this great man. Now, why do I say he's, well, of course, all the saints are great, but he is particularly for me a hero for a number of reasons. First and foremost, St. John was the Bishop of Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, at the end of the fourth century. And I believe it was 397. And Christianity had been recognized by the emperor and become the state religion, all right, 70 years prior, first recognized and then became the state religion. So the church went from catacombs, persecution, and fervor to mediocrity, institutionalization, and many Christians have become lukewarm in their faith. Sound familiar? Right. <laughs> so St. John was called the golden tongue, Chrysostom because his preaching was just extraordinary. And this man pulled no punches. In a previous broadcast, I spoke about the, the cows of Bashan when the empress and her daughter were in the congregation. All right, But there are other things John said. For example, he was a great champion of the poor because the Christians have basically become established. And he said, if you do not recognize Christ in the poor, you will not recognize him in this cup, referring mm. to the chalice of the altar. And I wondered to myself how it would be for us to kind of do a real sp spiritual meditation on that, even now in the 21st century, right? But then he also says something about Our Lady, which is going to be the heart of my homily later on, so you're getting a preview. And he said, a mother experiences death more than once, even though she herself will die only once. For she worries for her husband and her children and their children, for the loss of their property or their health, or for the moment unto their death. And she worries for their ultimate eternal salvation. Now, why is that important? Not only because it rings true in my own experience, right, with my mom, but quite frankly, it explains Fatima. It explains the urgency of Fatima, which today is one of the days of the apparitions in 1917 today. So how many years is that? 116 years ago, today. And Mary came with a tremendous urgency to do what? To pray for the end of the war, to pray for the rosary, to pray for the repentance of sins. And it's interesting that Lucia today asked Our Lady, right? Because when the when the when the visionaries came, when the when the little ones came, there were twenty thousand people, and they blocked their way, not maliciously, but they blocked their way because they wanted to tell them, shout out to them their petitions, and. So eventually some men became like their guardians and literally had to push the crowd away to be able to go before Our Lady appeared. And they were shouting, and at the very last thing, Lucia asked Our Lady, she said, all these people are asking for prayers. Will you grant them? And, she, and Our Lady responded, some will be granted and others will not be granted. Hmm. Now, I wonder... And I've not really had much of an appreciation of this until I was reflecting this morning in my, uh, in my prayer on what St. John said in his homily. How much that broke Our Lady's heart. 
that some would not have their prayers answered. Because as a good mother, she worries, right? Mm-hmm. And we speak of the sorrowful mother, which we will celebrate in a few days. But the sorrow of our mother is because her children, you, I, everyone listening, everyone on this planet is, is one of her children. How much we inflict pain on one another and upon ourselves, and she urgently wants us to avoid that because one day we will die. And our fate is with grace in our hands. So explains the urgency of Fatima to you. It also explains the sorrowful mother. For in her own life, she's, I mean, she's victorious in the sense that she's in the glory of heaven. But the heart of Our Lady wants all of us to be with her. Yes. And I mean... St. John has a lot to teach us because as much as the world has changed, much of the world has not changed all this time. So anyway, pray that it yeah. doesn't rain at Mass because we're outdoors. So that would be a whole nother <sighs> complication. <laughs> and you need to drive safely. Well, whether it's raining or not, that's a, that's a whole nother issue to pray for. That's, <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> so I thought, given the fact that I'm going to the shrine and given the fact that we have spent a lot of time, you know, looking at Our Lady over these years that you and I have been together on the podcast, I I thought it would be helpful for at least the first half of our time together to continue to explore, all right, Our Lady's life and to be able to draw some more um, spiritual lessons that you and I can, can follow in our own lives so that the pain of our mother right, who, who does not want to experience the death of her children can be avoided, not just for mm-hmm. Our Lady's sake, but for ours too, right? Yes. So, um, and you can chime in, Steve, because this is more of a personal reflection. This is not, you know, this is not a one-man show here, but yeah, I've often referred to the, the image that actually changed my life that the Venerable Fulton Sheen resurrected from the fathers, including John Chrysostom, of Our Lady being the the moon. We've talked about that, right? There are three characteristics of the moon that we cannot escape, right? And exemplify Our Lady, right? So the first, the moon does not generate its own light. Secondly, the moon shines when the sky is darkest. It shines the brightest. Number three, that the ancient mariners used the moon to guide them in their navigation. So what are the spiritual lessons? All right, so first and foremost, the spiritual lessons are, as disciples, we are to reflect the light of Christ in the world. That we are to stop drinking the Kool-Aid of the secular culture that wants to divinize the human person and recognize we already have a savior. Now, the question here is this. In what way am I obscuring the light of Christ in my life? And there are many ways to answer that question. For example, if pride puts myself in the center of life, and many of us are tempted to sin in pride, where does pride possibly rear its head? 
And in the lives of religious people, pride can be very insidious. For example, I do good works. I do charity. I help my neighbor. I help the homeless. I feed the hungry. And the purpose is for praise, aggrandizement, or just simply the satisfaction of, I think I'm making a difference, and not to be the surrendered vessel for the grace of Christ. That's obscuring the light of Christ. That's pride in actually its most deadly form because it is so hidden. Pride can be wrapped up in the mantle of justice, the mantle of charity, and we not know it. Right? Yes. The second thing that's interesting, when we look at um, the question of obscuring the light of Christ, Christ is the truth, is he not? Yeah. So when we fail to shine the light of truth, whether in word or in witness, then we are failing. And it is becoming more and more, to me, uh, a, an issue of great concern that if we're going to turn the power of the secular culture and minimize it in our lives, we need to be able to not just speak the truth, but witness the truth. See, that was Chrysostom's problem in his age, is that Christians continued to profess right, that they loved one another, but they weren't living that. And if they were living it, they were living it in comfortable ways only amongst themselves, not amongst those who are in the greatest need of our love. And so in our own age, that is another way we need to really consider that when we have the secular culture that is saying so many things that are contrary to faith, we need to speak the truth, not in a judgmental way, but in a charitable way, but to speak the mm -hmm. truth. And that doesn't preclude that we help people in their struggles to understand the truth. Mm -hmm. But if we're not speaking the truth, then we're obscuring the light. Yes. See? So that's one. I mean, as for it being in the darkest part of the night, it's, I've often said this, is that Our Lady... Our Lady, it's another thing St. John said, which is fascinating, absolutely fascinating, which I will not include in my homily because it itself deserves a homily. And I'm paraphrasing here, but, it, but I remember reading this the first time when I was a seminarian, and I stumbled upon it in preparation for my homily later on in New Jersey. But St. John actually says that Mary is essential to the salvation of Christians. Because those who are not saved by the justice of God will be saved by the intercession of Our Lady. Now let's think about that for a second. <laughs> that in fact, again, the urgency of the mother's love for her children is that if in the justice of God someone will not be saved, if they are saved, it will be for the maternal pleadings and intercession of the mother of God. And could you imagine what that would look like before the throne of God? Yeah. And how difficult it would be for our Lord to say no to Our Lady. And of course, He will if He needs to. Mm -hmm. But to talk about endearing yourself to Our Lady and her power, her power that comes from her Son, that alone is just, it's, it's giving me, that will be more than one homily to think about. Yeah. Just as you would intercede with your children, right? 
It, it happens all the time where my wife does. Yeah, yep. right. It, exactly. So if you think about it then, the darkest part of the night, so the question to ask is, how dark is your night? How dark is my night? Mm -hmm. Because we like to think that we live in twilight, which means there are parts of our lives that are shining, the light of Christ, and there are parts of our lives that are not. But do we honestly, honestly look ourselves in the mirror and admit what parts are really not shining? And maybe what seems to be shining is not actually shining the light of Christ, but shining my light or somebody else's light or somebody else's opinion's light, in which case it's not really light, it's deceptive. And I say that not to be depressive because of the rain. I'm saying that because that is how we seek real conversion. You, you need the diagnosis before you could ask for the cure. Mm -hmm. So if we lack charity to a certain person, why do we lack charity? So that's the part of our, if I may say the landscape, our spiritual landscape is obscured because we're uncharitable to, I don't know, whomever. But, but the why behind it is another piece that's obscuring us in darkness that we may not ever realize or admit to and if we don't admit to it, it's not going to be dealt with. And therefore, Our Lady comes to say, you got to deal with it. So all the Christian virtues Our Lady lived, right? Clearly. So what I'm really saying is you could turn to Our Lady's intercession, even before you go to the, to the Lord himself, and say, Blessed Mother, show me where I am blind yep. in my life. Then you go to the physician and ask for the cure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the same is true for navigating the, our life. You know, one of the questions we're going to talk about, I'm going to, I'm going to, our second half is going to be questions, right? right? And one of the questions we're going to talk about if there's time has a very simple answer. I won't give the question or the answer. I'm just going to give the preview. It comes directly from Our Lady. Mm. The lesson that I learned, to, in, I was going to say too late, it's never too late, but later than I should have learned it comes directly from Our Lady. So of all the listeners we have, and I have no idea how many we have. Uh, Millions. Oh, go, go, go. God bless them all. <laughs> all. Right, They're all doing their purgatory listening to me. This is good. <laughs> right? um, so... You have a decision to make, a real important decision. You ask the grace of the Holy Spirit, rightfully so. How many of us actually in our prayer ask Our Lady's intercession and guidance so that we may make the right decision? That first of all, we understand what the decision really is, that we truly understand what the options are, that we have the wisdom and grace of the Holy Spirit to say yes to what we know we need to do, and that she is both directing us and praying for us when we make that decision. Yeah. You know, for example, those individuals who go to the pro-life centers who are praying for the women who have made the initial decision to seek an abortion, and then they try to intervene, 
to allow them the possibility of a second look at that decision. And they're praying the rosary. What are they doing? They're asking the mother of God to intercede for that person before she makes a mistake that she will inevitably regret. And to be able to intercede for her in that moment of decision so that the morning star, which is Our Lady, will guide her in that moment of decision not to make that which will cause so much grief and pain to the woman who is seeking that abortion. It's the mother crying out that I love you and think about what you're doing before you actually do it. I think even on a terrestrial, more familiar level, um, uh, like when when my kids want something from me and they're afraid I might say no, mm-hmm. I know oftentimes they go first to Rula and they say, mom, how do you think I should ask dad for this? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then will you come with me? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe that's silly, but. Uh, no, 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 it, no. Gosh, no, it's not silly at all. Not at all. Now, I am neither a father in the physical world nor obviously am I am not a mother, but I had both, right? And all of us, right? right? And there, I, I, and again, those who are listening may disagree, in which case, please let me know. But I firmly am convinced, both from my own experience and the experience of many people who are very dear to me, friends of mine, relatives, all the rest, there is an intuition that a mother has for her children that no one else has, not even a father. And that intuition is not something of advantage or gain, but it is a tool for spiritual guidance. Because sharing literally the same body, there's an awareness that nobody else could have. And and that is why children when they are born, desperately need to be held and touched Hmm. because they had an intimacy in the womb they don't have in the outside world. (laughs) And children who, who are not touched and not held and not sung to and not spoken to and not engaged, they literally kind of wither. Right? They wither. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so a mother has an intuition with her children. And therefore, again, Our Lady is an intercessor for all of us, but I think in a very special way, she is an intercessor for the mothers and grandmothers and godmothers and foster mothers of our world, Hmm. right? Particularly natural mothers, because she can speak to their heart as a mother could speak to another mother, which I think happens all the time in schoolyards and diners and people's homes. And as mothers get together, the fourth graders and they talk and they're, they're not just talking, but I think there's a, there's a communion there, which is real. That yeah. is very, well, am I making sense? There's, yeah. yeah. Do you yeah, see it in yeah. your life? Yeah, I, definitely. You know, and um when you find, I'm just looking at, at Rula, when she finds another mom who uh, puts God first, you know, and, and kids, raising the kids through the light of faith, mm-hmm. uh, that is, 
that is so valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, something that even I can't, there's things that even I can't uh, give her, you know, mm-hmm. in that regard. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. No, no, absolutely. Exactly. You can't give her. And, and you're right. And therefore, there's, there's a communication that does not require words. Now, why am I saying all this? It's because you and I have spoken at great length all these years, right, about the power of adoration, Eucharistic adoration. And rightfully so. Because Eucharistic adoration exists so that, in part, the Lord can speak to us, that we could adore the Lord and shut our mouths. Literally, stop Mm -hmm. talking. (laughs) So the Lord could get a word in. Right. And he speaks at times, many times, without words. He speaks in intuitions. He speaks in feelings. He speaks in, I was going to say almost revelations. He speaks in an awareness that comes to us through the Holy Spirit that d- doesn't quite need words. Right. And that's all through mm-hmm. the body. Right. Mm-hmm. So I guess. When it comes to Our Lady, we always pray for her intercession. We offer prayers for her for protection. But I wonder to myself, in this crazy time we're living, which is not much different from the crazy time St. John Chrysostom lived in, which unfortunately, almost 50 or 60 years later, literally began to fall apart. The entire Roman mm-hmm. Empire fell apart, and a lot of the church fell apart with it. Mm-hmm. Right? That we need to spend time in the presence of Our Lady intentionally without words. Yes. Without words. Stop asking. Allow her to speak as the vessel of grace, right? Or as as John said, as the scepter of orthodoxy, which is a great mm. image, <laughs> which yeah. has not quite ever made it into the litanies. And other <laughs> things, right? Other titles, too, that have never made it to the litany. So he is definitely worth reading. Anybody who get his English translations of his homilies, you have to read this man. But just to allow her, through the intuition of a mother, to speak, whether you're a mother or a father, whomever you are, whoever we are, just ask her to be present and just listen to what she yes. has to say. Right? Yes. Many Christians don't do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Awesome. So, um, I, that's, that's, I think we should, uh, we should take a break okay. on that note. Um, and then, uh, we'll come back on the other side of the break. Two questions. Yes. So we've got a, a bunch of listener questions. We're going to get to, we have a ton. We're going to get through a bunch today. Okay. So, uh, this is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Be right back. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. 
Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Excellency, uh, so since you initially made the call for listeners to send in questions, we have amassed so many, Good. but it's awesome, I, and we should keep getting more and more. So Good. if you're listening, please keep sending them in. Uh, so we have um, a bunch that we'll get to today, and uh, we'll start here, Excellency. All right, here's this question. It says, uh, are you familiar with Father Nathan Castle, a Dominican priest who is helping people pass from purgatory through speaking with them and channeling their voices? I'm not sure if I should be listening to him, and I wonder where you and the church stand on this practice. Well, I must confess, this question forced me to do research because I had not heard of him. I mean, Steve, had you ever heard of him? No, I had not. No. So he's a Dominican. And it's, it's interesting. He has developed a ministry of what is called aiding, intercessing, praying for stuck souls. And what are stuck souls? They are some of the individuals who have died suddenly, like almost instantaneously, and were not ready for the moment of death. So in a sense, they are the ones who were not necessarily ready to stand before the judgment of Christ. And so he says that these individuals, many of them are coming to him in in his dreams and asking for prayers on their behalf, which he then offers them in the hope that those prayers will allow them, right, the peace that the sudden death robbed them of. Uh, So in other words, it is a ministry to resolve what's called interrupted death experiences, is what he says. Now, what's the view of the church of this? I really don't know. I must confess, I would have to do more Mm -hmm. research. I have not seen anything online that admonishes it. The one thing we have to, or, or calls it into question, I think the one thing that we have to remember is that the dead and the living are not in two different realms. The dead and the living walk hand in hand. Yes. Because the saints walk with us. Right. And if that's the case, then those who died suddenly, all the dead, um, I've heard many a story in my life of the dead um, coming to us in dreams. My dad came to me. My mother came to me. Oh, yeah. And it was real. There was, my mother was talking to me. It took a long time for that to happen. But in one dream, I'll never forget it. She was talking to me when I woke up. It was real. 
as if she, my mother. And of course, she was admonishing me, which is another story. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast to talk about. But um, so I really don't know the answer to that yeah. question. But that it's been he 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 documents that there are many people who, in his dreams, have come to ask for help, and in his prayer, and the people who pray with him, right? They offer that intercession. So, yeah. if anything, the spectrum of life and death and it does remind us that this idea the dead are gone or far away, we really have to rethink that because that's not what Christian revelation says yes. in the communion yep. of the church, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I wonder if it says something about my faith, but I always raise a skeptical eyebrow at things yes. like this. For those who are not watching, he did actually move his eyebrows up. <laughs> but, but, but obviously, as you're saying, Excellency, it's it's definitely possible because, yeah, I mean, purgatory is a thing and mm-hmm. we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses and, yeah. Right, so. exactly. No, I think in the end, it's it's not a ministry that would affect my my ministry at all so i don't i don't know but uh, it's just yeah. an interesting idea it to pray yeah. for the dead though is essential yes yes yep and he's like maybe he's right. like a modern day right. saint gertrude could very well be absolutely and, and just yeah. as one last point uh, the fact that fewer fewer and fewer people are offering masses for the, the for the deceased for the faithful departed and all the rest is just troubling yeah, and yeah, worse that's... is that they're not having funeral masses. The whole another question. Maybe that's a podcast changing <sighs> funeral world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so here's the next question, Excellency. This one is interesting. Uh, in your opinion, and without being specific, which of the ten commandments is most broken during confession? Well, that's that's an easy answer, and the answer is this, my friend. Um, you break the first always when you break the other nine. If you do not believe and revere that I am the Lord your God before whom you shall have no other gods, that's the fundamental sin. That's original Mm -hmm. sin. That's the sin of Adam and Eve, that I will not put God's intentions, God's wills, God's desires, God's plan, God's majesty, God's glory, before me or mine or my will or my plans. And therefore, when I make that decision, then I could covet, I could be envious, I could lie, I could cheat, I could be an adulterer, I could be, right? Yeah, yeah. So not that many people actually would confess, I broke the first commandment, maybe they do, but it's implicit in any any other fraction. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, yep, mm-hmm. yep. Right. If, if you don't love... God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul, then you're, you're going to sing galore. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Speaking of sin, question number three is, uh, uh, wouldn't you say that banning Adam and Eve from the garden of Eden and all the ensuing pain and suffering throughout humanity is a bit extreme just for taking a bite of a fruit. It would be as if I threw my son out of the house in the middle of winter because he ate the last piece of blueberry pie in the refrigerator after specifically being warned and then having his descendants banned as well. Okay. So this raises a very interesting question, and that is the consequence of our decisions. So in the end, 
was it actually God who caused them to be thrown out of the garden or their own actions that caused them to be thrown out of the garden? You could draw the parallel. We believe that hell is eternal punishment. It is the complete and eternal absence of love. One could say, for whatever infraction occurs in this life, even hideous crimes, does it deserve an eternal punishment? And the answer to the question is, does God then, in the end, condemn us to hell? Or do we inherit the consequences of our decision, including going to hell? Yes. So I think the, the intent behind the question, you know, the desire to be merciful, all right, it resonates with my heart, of course. But there are decisions, whether they are single decisions or whether they are the consequence of many decisions that have enormous consequence, in this case, eternal consequence. And that needs to be remembered, not so that people become anxious or, uh, or, uh, or frightened, but they have resolve to understand that love is eternal and the decision to reject it can be eternal. Yeah. And it has consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And Excellency, it seems like things like God telling Adam and Eve not to eat the, the fruit of, the, of that tree or, or giving us the Ten Commandments it's not like it's not because he's just throwing up random things and saying, "I want you to follow these rules." He's trying to give us guidelines and guardrails to show us how to live our best selves. Because the consequence of them eating fruits, the first thing was that they felt shame. And why was that? Because they took God's place. Because he wanted yeah. to avoid the, the infraction of the first commandment. Yeah. I mean, if you were in a garden, that God knows how big it was with every fruit imaginable, every delight in the natural world you could have, and you chose the one that he told you not to. May I ask why? <laughs> why? Because you had to have what was only his. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Now, yeah. we do it all the time when we sin. So it's not that I'm throwing yes. Adam and Eve under the bus. <laughs> right. right. But, that's, okay. but that's the point. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Next one. Uh, let's see. It says, um, Bishop Frank, there was an excellent and convincing presentation by Father Eamon Kelly on the Shroud of Turin on YouTube, describing the history and testings performed. Does the church believe it to be the Shroud? And what is your personal opinion? Yeah. I, 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 again, the research I did about this, I did get some conflicting um, opinions, but but let me put it to you this way. I don't know what the scientific research, I know they did some carbon testing on, on the shroud. They looked at the pigmentation and that there's not an easy explanation of the pigmentation, that the depiction on the shroud is a, what I would say, uh, typical quote unquote, of, a, of a, a man of that age in that part of the world, right? So the way I understand it is, it has been a relic in the hand, the custody of, the, of believers for millennia. It has brought many people to faith and therefore it is authentic. And 
I'm not sure science has much to say about its authenticity because its authenticity is in the realm of the spirit. Yeah. Not of the physical world. Yeah. And if that's not understandable, I'll put it another way. I'll give you an example. Medjugorje. Medjugorje does not have the approbation of the church, at least not yet. Mm-hmm. And yet the spiritual fruits are, bound, are, are literally boundless. So the approbation of the church, whether it comes or not, will not bear on the fruits that are coming from the visit to Medjugorje. And the same is true for the shroud. Yes. Yep. So if you would ask me personally, do, do I believe it's authentic? The answer is yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's enough inexplainable and supernatural mm-hmm. stuff about the shroud. Mm-hmm. Right. Excellency that. Mm-hmm. But remember yeah. when you involve science in anything of this sort of nature, science by its very nature is meant to cast doubt hmm. because it always tries to go deeper and deeper. So science will never resolve this question. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I That's think great, it already leaves, has. <laughs> yeah, and it leaves room for faith. Without a doubt. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. All right. I, I love this next question, Excellency. It says, uh, uh, who does the Pope go to for confession? Mm. Is it feasible that he could go to a newly ordained priest? And how is penance decided in general for anyone? Mm-hmm. Like, is there a specific formula? Right. Okay. Does the Pope go to confession? The answer is yes, because we've had photos of him going to confession. And I have no idea who's hearing his sins, right? I presume it's just the regular confessors at St. Peter's, right? Could he go to a newly ordained? Yeah, but that newly ordained better be well formed. <laughs> Talk <it> prepared. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> now, how is penance decided? Very interesting. You know, there are manuals. Huh right? In the Middle Ages, right? Even coming out of the Reformation, guidance for, 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 uh, 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 for priests who are confessors. But, okay, so what's, what's my guide? How, would I, how do I ascribe penance? Uh, uh, there are a number of considerations. First, it has to be doable. A person needs to understand that he or she has completed their penance, right, with due diligence. So to say to someone, go do a good act, right, do something kind for a person, in my mind, is a terrible penance because that person may have doubts as to what does that mean? Like, how kind is kind? How good is good? What person? Right? That's number one. Number two, penance is medicinal, right? So it's meant to be of, of medicine to the spirit. And therefore, um, depending on the circumstance, the sin, and the person, you have to give thought as to what prayer can be the proper medicine to help the person in the pursuit of not sinning again, whatever they happen to have said. And rarely, but it has happened, where given the circumstances of the sin and the person before me, I have asked the person for anyone he or she has offended is to go and directly apologize to that person. Wow. As a concrete act, all right, of repentance. Yeah. And that happens not often because you need to know both the offended and the offender. But sometimes that happens. 
So for example, if a husband offended his wife, you could say, and, and you happen to know who they are, you could say mm-hmm. to him, for your penance, I want you to go apologize. Which itself could be quite humbling. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. But it's always meant to be medicinal. Yes. And to the extent that you could undo the damage you created, but oftentimes we can't do that. Yeah. So that's what guides me in penance. The only thing I've said before, I think I've said it in joking, but I'll say it seriously. I myself would not, unless I were dying, I would not have any of my priests hear my confession. Because mm-hmm. it alters the relationship. Yes. Right. Yep. And everyone knows who I am. So you can't even go anonymously. They'll recognize you immediately. <laughs> and then God knows what penance I would get. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Uh, next question here, Excellency. Um, oh, uh, which of the four gospels is your favorite? Oh, wait. If I answer, you answer. Are you ready? Oh, boy. Okay. For me, I, I so it's it's a choice. It's funny. It's a choice. It, it's it's choice between two, not four. Because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as the synoptics, I actually I see them as one, with mm. different highlights and variations. And John, and I prefer John. I find John much more, at least for me personally, fruitful for theological reflection and prayer. Right. Um, the bread of life, the light of the world. The, I mean, John, even the, the prologue, although the prologue took me a long time to warm up in prayer because it's so theological, right? Versus the yeah. Christmas story, which is so beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I find, John is the theologian, so I, I find him personally to be the gospel I would read for prayer yeah. the most. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love John because that that gospel is so blatantly Catholic. <laughs> well, the others are too. <laughs> well, no, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, what am I saying? Maybe I I would pick. Uh, do I pick Mark because it's the shortest? <laughs> is that right? No, but Mark no, leaves all the good details out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, um, there's a woman named Mary Healy who teaches yes. in Michigan. Yes. She has a commentary on Mark that is just incredible. It is. Mm. And after I, after going through that, I mean, I, the, the gospel, his gospel is so rich and incredibly um, structured. Oh, 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 without yeah. a doubt. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, and again, uh, just for a reminder, Luke is considered the gospel of the poor, the marginalized. Matthew is the gospel of Jesus, the new Moses, the great rabbi, because he's the one most consistent with the rabbinical tradition. And then John has this theological beauty to it, but he was the one who had the most, the deepest friendship Mm. with the Lord. Mm -hmm. So it's almost as if he says, I will tell you in Revelation who he is, not with the historical details of his life as the most important thing, but who he is. Right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So there's a, um, I have a handful of, of more fun questions here, Excellency, mm-hmm. which we can go through. So here's the first of, of the fun questions. Having heard the replay of your first show during the World Youth Day celebrations, I found out that you're a Yale man. And knowing that we share a love of pizza, 
My question is simply this. Pepe's or Sally's? Or do you have a bias to New York style pizza? Well, uh, bingo, bias to New York style <laughs> pizza. Plus I have a couple of relatives who have pizzerias. So uh, let it be known to the entire world. I have never been to Pepe's and uh -huh. I have never been to Sally's. Now, if someone wants okay. to invite me, I'll be happy to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm not a connoisseur of pizza. But when I was at Yale, many a weekend I went home and and if I didn't go to relatives, I didn't go to neighbor. My mother made it. Yeah. All the time. I bet that was the best. Oh, oh my gosh. Gosh. And oh really, my goodness. she made a la pizza frita too home. So she didn't bake it. Ah. She would make the dough, make it into very thin. She'd fry the dough, then put all the toppings, put it in the oven for about two minutes, come out, and you would want to die to eat this. To die. Wow. Of course, then wow. cholesterol, who cares? But now, <laughs> that's not the thing to eat, but it was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. This, uh, this, this next question. Okay. If God were to grant 2023 Bishop Frank Caggiano a chance to go back in time and speak to 1970s Yale student Frank Caggiano, what message would he have for him? And the same for radio personality Steve Lee to a younger Steve with Metallica blasting through his Sony Walkman. <laughs> oh, God, I'd pay money to see that. Oh, <laughs> That could be a fundraiser for Veritas. Yeah. <laughs> we could auction a bit it off. You'd have more money than you know what to do with. <laughs> okay, so that was the question I was alluding to before. If the 2023... Frank Caggiano could go to that Frank who was a freshman at Yale. The only thing, the message he would tell him is to repeat to Our Lady, do whatever he tells you. Hmm. And I was just the fighting, fighting, fighting what he was asking me to do. And in the end, there's no time lost to God, obviously. The years I was working before I was ordained, none of that is lost. But like everything else, the path that God chooses is the path that gives you true joy. And that was the lesson I had to learn. And yeah. hopefully I've, yeah. I've learned it more along the way. Mm -hmm. I guess uh, I would say, first of all, in my Walkman, I was listening at the time to Depeche Mode and the Smiths and the House Martins. So oh, okay. Okay. I was never a Metallica guy. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, to a younger Steve, I would say do a better job of showing the people you love that you love them and like just do that all the time because mm -hmm. one day they're going to be gone and you're really going to miss them. Yeah. And, and, and I guess I'd also say some of the stuff that you think is a big deal, uh, don't sweat it so much. Those are powerful lessons. Thank you for sharing them. <laughs> the great consolation I have is that for a Christian, it's never too late. We will be yes. able to say what we need to say in the glory of heaven and we'll say it without words. It's tremendous. Yeah. Right? It's tremendous. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's see. Um, imagine that you're approaching the pearly gates and St. Peter greets you and congratulates you. Yes. And, says, <laughs> and he says, uh, Paradise is not an actual place, but rather whatever your idea of the greatest happiness and joy was during your earthly life. What would that be? Oh, I could paint a picture. Uh, 
and the picture is this. For me, the three Fs. So I'm at a table with all of my family, with the best food that there is, sharing an occasion of faith, Christmas, Easter. If that is what heaven is like for me for all eternity, there will be nobody else happier on earth. Hmm. And it sums up everything of who we are as Christians. Now, I presume heaven is going to be that heavenly banquet, celestial food, right? We will not have the Eucharist because we'll have the bread of life himself. And we'll be with all those who have gone before us celebrating the fullness of life. So the picture is what I'm hoping, what we're taught heaven is. But just if you would say to picture it, oh my God, could you imagine like that pizza forever, never gaining weight, <laughs> all this other food with the family dead and and a lot, everyone who has gone before us. Could you imagine? Yeah. That's what love can do. Only love can do that. People are saying this guy's out of his mind. No, I'm not. Love can do that. Yeah. No one and nothing else can. So in the end, what's the major choice you make? Is it you or love? Is it you or God? Come on. It's not It's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We have time for one more question here, okay. Excellency. So let's see. Uh, here, all right. How do you come up with topics for shows? Oh. Do you and Steve bounce ideas off each other? Does Steve tell you the topic? Do you have topics three or four months in advance? No, we don't. <laughs> oh, God, four do- months in advance. No, it's usually 24 <laughs> hours in advance. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. And how, are there many behind-the-scenes men and women? Whose idea was it for this show? Oh, now, you could answer the last part. Whose idea was it for the show? Sure. Because I think it was yours, right? <laughs> and Mitch and, and the board of Veritas. And I'm very grateful yeah. for this opportunity to do this public uh, psychotherapy <laughs> but um, no the topics uh, you arrange guests yes right which is very helpful because it can't just be always me and my thoughts and quite frankly their experiences are more important to be shared with the larger audience that we have so you, you so that is a tremendous thing for me personally, the the topics I suggest are either uh, items on my heart, news about the diocese, which I want people to know about, current events that we need to kind of respond to or clarify or to try to explain. So it's kind of those wellsprings that says, what, what, what should we talk about? Right? Yeah. And then you have ideas yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, sometimes I come up with something you or you come up with something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, actually, we literally turn on the mics and just wing it. I love it. And that used to scare me to death. <laughs> but now I've learned to trust and follow you. And, yeah. And they're, they're fun. Yeah, we're just going into the great abyss. <laughs> <laughs> and as for where the idea of the show came from, when I first asked for uh, Bishop Frank's blessing to launch Veritas, I also presented him with the idea of having a weekly platform where he could speak directly to the people of the diocese on a regular basis. So thankfully, Excellency, you you were up for it. and. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, if you remember, I wasn't originally supposed to be on the show with you. Um, we were, we were going to get somebody, we we're going to look for somebody and I was just going to fill in just to get it started until we could find somebody. And, and now you permanent. have become the star of the show. So where are you going to go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Come on. <laughs> and, uh, let's see the other, the other question there was, are there many behind the scenes men and women? I, there's at least two. 
I would say there's Debbie on your side mm -hmm. and there's, and there's Matt on my side, mm -hmm. Matt edits and publishes all of our shows. Mm -hmm. He's very talented. Mm -hmm. But I would say this just as a final observation, technology, these are one of the benefits of technology because in the old days you would have to have studios and crews and all the rest, but technology has made it so much easier to be able to produce this sort of messaging that yeah. thank God you by your suggestion and Veritas by its work are using and leveraging for the good of the church for the message of the gospel, right? Because everybody yes. else is using it for all this other stuff. The more we can do that, the better off. And, and maybe in one of these future episodes, we could talk about the JP2 Evangelization Center that we're giving birth to. Because yes, that would be that really would helpful be great. for people to know because that's going to be yeah. a game changer. Mm -hmm. That is going to be powerful for the diocese. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, uh, let's just... Let's just go right to the to the wrap. You know, if you have a question for Bishop Frank, send it in on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And um, thank you, as always, to Foundations of Faith, our sponsor. It's a grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization that makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations and Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. Great. A lot of fun as always, Excellency. Yes, yes absolutely. This was as close to live as we've ever been. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what we should do? One day we should, we have to be prepared, of course, but to have live call-in, wouldn't that be a stitch? That would be awesome. Yes. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have, I, yeah, I have some work to do to get there. <laughs> no, we'll get there. But, when God wills. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, Excellency. So let's pray. Yes. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Together we pray, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for pray us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Enjoy your week, my friend. Thanks, Excellency. You do safe drive today. Ciao.